one guy commented on my Facebook and told me to stay on vacation a little longer. I was like, don't play with me because I will. <laughs> but I was so proud of Pastor John and, and everything he did last week and a great sermon that he gave in the Word. Uh, we finally, we had a problem with the podcast, but uh, uh, we, we got it up there. So if you want to hear it again, it's all up there. We thank God for that. Amen. A couple of details before I go forward with today's uh, sermon and our new series that we have going on. The first one is if you haven't signed up for uh, small groups, you're probably not saved. Amen. Uh, small groups are honestly one of the greatest things to build community in the church, to build fellowship. And uh, we have so many options for you. And uh, we, I encourage you all to, to look online on the church Facebook or the church website and sign up for a link, a city link that fits you. We have different links, different days of the weeks. It's not just one day. It's that uh, we have links five days out of the week. You can choose whichever one you want to go to. Amen. We got some geared towards certain interests. We, we, have, uh, we have some just for single people. Amen. All my single folks in the building. And uh, that's because we know that you don't want to hear us married folks talk about our relationships. And so we, we built some that are just for you single people who are lonely because we don't want to hear about your lonely conversations. This waiting time. You know what? Please. And we, got just, we got some just for men. And we're all going to be doing the same teaching, but we got some, you know, just for different, you know, different groups. We're doing a, a men's only group because we don't want to hear you women cry. Like, honestly, we just don't want to. Oh, God. Here she goes. Here she goes. Here she goes. Here she goes. Go. Oh, God. She cried again. Like four weeks in a row. She's crying. Like we, we ain't got time for that. So we have all types of different groups, all different days of the week. And honestly, I encourage you. Uh, it's, it's one of the best ways. Fellowship and, and community is one of the best ways to grow in your faith. And it's important that you really sign up for one of these groups, try them out, and allow God to build some new connections in your life. Amen. Uh, as you stand together with your brothers and sisters, as, that's how you will grow in your faith, not by yourself. Also, a couple of details. If you can mark your calendars, write some dates down for me. Uh, I think the first one is July July 10th is the last one I gave, right? July 10th, I'll be preaching at, um, at, at, at Black Rock Church in an evening service. And I would love for all of you, if you're available, to come on with us. It's a 6 o'clock service. I'll have all the information on my Facebook, just giving you guys a heads up. They have an evening service. It's a pretty big church in Fairfield. And we want to show some citywide strong support. Amen. And we would love for you guys to come out there. I might preach something you already heard. I don't know. I'll pray about it. But just come and shout us down anyways. Uh, we're going to have a great time. Also, July 30th, I want to give you a good notice. July 30th at the Klein. It's a Saturday evening. We're having a night of worship. Okay, I'm going to try that again. We're having a night of worship. And we're going to be combining with, uh, with three different churches. And we are launching a ministry uh, with Black Rock Church and Huntington Chapel in Shelton. And it's a young adult ministry called The Revive. It's a young adult ministry focused on reviving the generation around our cities, our suburbs, our communities, and trying to really get young people really back into God's face, amen, really back into the worship they need to be into. And uh, the first one's open to everybody, even you old people, praise God. We, no, honestly, we, we believe that it's important that the older folks support the younger folks in this endeavor. And so Citywide Worship is actually going to be there that day. They're going to be worshiping with us. Uh, Black Rock Church is worshiping, and I know Jason Boulder from Calvary Life is bringing a band out, and he'll be worshiping on that day, too. It's going to be an amazing night, uh, and yours truly will be speaking that night to the young generation that we're going to be assembling. And so uh, they've given me the green light to preach that evening. They don't know what they do when they let Puerto Ricans preach, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what the Lord says. I praise God. 
And we're just believing God honestly for an awesome time. And I really believe that this movement that we're starting with, with this new ministry is going to be something that's going to really be powerful in the entire area. We believe it's going to unite dozens of churches and hundreds of believers to the call of the gospel. And that that's our goal, to, to bring forth a revival, amen, throughout our area. So I'm excited about that. You know, I had a great, great week with my wife. We had a great time on vacation. But as I was on vacation, the Lord had kept on bringing to remembrance all these things that he had been placing in my heart for some time now. And I, as I told the first service, I'll tell you guys too, I want to prepare you guys that today, I know today's word, I pray that it encourages you and stretches you. But I know that in the coming weeks, I want to challenge your faith. Amen. I want to challenge your walk with God. And my hope and prayer is that in the next four weeks is that you are closer to God than you've ever been before in your life. Amen. I really want to challenge some things that the Lord has shown me in the church and, and pull down some lies of Satan. Amen. And uh, get right believing in our church going on with some things that God has been impressing upon my heart. And what God has been doing is he's been giving me words. And it's funny because my father... God used to give my father a word of the year, but I felt like God has given me a flurry of words. And as God has been giving me these words, the funny thing is they all, they all start with the letter F. And so I told the creative team, we're just going to name the series the good F words. And because uh, we know the bad F word, but there's good F words like faith and forgiveness and freedom and faithfulness. And there's all types of, of good F words. And so we're going to focus on some stuff that God has placed on my heart. And you're going to see throughout the next couple of weeks that I want to challenge, somebody say challenge your faith. And uh, I was praying to the Lord and, and I asked him which one to give first. And he wants me today to talk to you about the topic of faith, faith, faith in God and what faith means to the heart of the believer. Faith, we read in, in Hebrews 11 chapter 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And, and it's, it's, it's important to understand that when the author of Hebrews, who we believe to be the Apostle Paul, when he wrote that down, he was not giving an entire biblical definition of what faith is. He was looking through the prism of faith and realizing that in one facet of faith, in one area of faith, this is a good fit for faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But what he was not doing was saying this is the overall definition of faith. Because that's, that's not exactly what faith in itself is. Faith is not, is not just believing in the, in the invisible. It's not just that. It's so much more. In the Old Testament, it took on a different connotation than it takes on in the New Testament. When you hear the word faith in the New Testament, the word faith means the all-encompassing doctrines of the Christian church. Doctrine of salvation. That's why Jude said, contend for the faith. The doctrine of, of holiness and righteousness and, and justification and sanctification and so Faith takes on different measures, different definitions, and a good definition for, for faith at its core, you should really write this down because it'll really help you get through some things in your life. Here's a really basic understanding of what faith is. Faith at its core is man's response to God's self-revelation. It's how man responds to how God reveals himself to them in their lives. Ephesians says that we are saved by grace through faith. Firm belief in the 
revelation of God through Jesus Christ, where we saw the character of his love, his mercy, his grace through his actions in Christ Jesus. He has proven himself and revealed himself through his word, through his plan of salvation to mankind. Faith is the vehicle through which we access our salvation. We have to first believe that this God who revealed himself to mankind is actually God. And so our faith is really dictated by our response to God's revelation. It's not just believing in the abstract. It's believing in the revelation you have of God. This is why it's important to have a revelation of God. It's important to read your Bible. It's important to pray. Because as God reveals himself to you, you can have a response to his word. As God reveals himself to you, you can have a response in your life. As the spirit of God talks to you, as you pray, as you seek, as you learn, as you teach yourself, as the Holy Spirit teaches you. You can respond to God. And so God reveals himself to man. And we have this choice to believe him or not. And even the faith you have, according to Romans 12, 3, you didn't have it yourself. God gave you the faith you have. And so God gives us the faith to be able to respond to his revelation. Romans 12, 3 calls it the measure of faith. How you respond to God's, somebody say, revelation. In the garden, God reveals himself as creator, sovereign God to Adam and Eve. In Genesis, we see God call Abram, and he responds by following God into the wilderness, into the land of Canaan, to a place he did not know. In Exodus, God reveals himself to a man named Moses through a burning bush. In the book of Joshua, God reveals himself as the angel of the Lord before he invades Jericho. To Gideon, he also reveals himself as the angel of the Lord. All throughout scripture, God is revealing himself to men and they respond and their response is called faith because they've had somebody say a revelation of God and because of this revelation, they're able to have a response to him because they believe and in the New Testament, the revelation of God climaxes in the name of Jesus, in the physical embodiment of God, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God and he is the ultimate revelation of God to mankind, where God reveals himself inside of a man for all mankind, and he lives a perfect life. He dies a crucial, crucified death. After he dies, he resurrects. He revealed himself to be the all-powerful God, he who has authority over heaven and earth. God has given man, somebody say, revelation. And because God has revealed himself, many have come to faith and gained salvation through their faith and their belief in God. And ever since the beginning of time, ever since the Garden of Eden, man and their faith has been under attack. If you look at what Satan spoke to Adam and Eve, God was also revealed to Adam and Eve as the law-giving God, where God said, I give you one law, Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that one tree. And what Satan did was he made Adam and Eve become distrustful of the lawgiver. He made them lose trust in the lawgiver. He made them doubt the lawgiver. He attacked their, somebody say their faith. And if he can attack your faith, he can make you falter 
in your walk with God. It can make you falter in your spirituality. And we see clearly, we see clearly that a lack of faith is truly a distrust of God. Some people say, well, I don't, I don't got the faith, Pastor. What you're really telling me is you don't have a trust in God. That you trust yourself more in a situation than you trust the Lord God. When you have a real revelation of God, you can have a real response to God. And then the thought becomes, is my, is my revelation deep enough? Is it strong enough to withstand hardship and trial? Can I, well, what happens in my faith when, when everything is coming against me, when things are attacking my faith? How do I endure the hard times of life and move forward in my faith no matter the costs? How do I know that I can make it when everything seems to be going wrong? Do I have a witness in the place? How do I, how do I move forward when all hell's breaking loose? How do I... How do I keep in contact with heaven when hell is at my doorstep? And I believe that we see this embodied in a story in the scripture of 1 Samuel chapter 30. And I'll read it to you. You can turn there or take notes. And I'm reading from verse 1 down. And it says, Now when David and his men came to Ziklag, on the third day the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. And they killed no one, but carried them off and went on their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. And then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. And David's two wives also had been taken captive. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Come on, let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence in this house today. We thank you for the worship that has proceeded from us, God, before us. We ask you, God, to have your way be lifted high. Open our spiritual ears, Father, our spiritual eyes, that we can see your word and see what you have in store for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. In these verses we just read, we read of a man whose name is David, and he's not uncommon to many Christians because many of us know David to be the giant killing David. He's the man or the boy, actually, who had killed the giant Goliath. And David, in this story, is in a very unique place in his life. David had been anointed by the prophet Samuel as the next king of Israel. He had had a revelation of God that he would be the king of Israel. And David had a response to God that he was being faithful to God because he had somebody say a revelation. And even after David had been anointed king, though, he endured many hardships and he even had to run from his life, for his life rather. David went through some tough times as he awaited for what God had told him and what God had promised him to come to fruition. And the current king Saul didn't take a good liking to David in the end. And David had to run for his life. And many scholars believe, <coughs> excuse me, that David had to run for his life for close to 10 years. 
that David was on the run. And David grew frustrated. David, many times in the Psalms, would write all of his complaints. But every time he wrote a psalm that was complaining, he would always at the end begin to worship God and praise God. Because David had a solid understanding that the God who had seen him and promised him and revealed himself to him was the same God who would also make the promise come to pass. And David was able to have this level and this measure of faith because he had a revelation of who God was in his life. David had a clear understanding of the Lord God. David loved the Lord. David worshiped the Lord. And David would often go to God and say, God, why are you allowing this? God, why is this happening? David never turned his back on God, though. Running for years, chased by the people he tried to serve. David had a promise from God, but he was running for his life. Through all of this, David had a firm faith in the promise because David had a firm grip on the revelation that God had given to him. And in this particular story, we just read David has been off fighting a battle, and when he came back, Scripture says that somebody had gone to his camp and they had burned it all, taken all his stuff, taken all the women of all of his men, taken all the children, and the people with him were saddened. They were hurting and they were facing hardships. Many of us, we face hardships all day long. We face trials and tribulations. We face toils. And sometimes it looks like, God, you promised me all these things in my life. God, you said all these things would happen for me. You said you would come through for me in the end. You said you would do this or you said you would do that. But in the end, sometimes we don't see in the immediate what we want to see from God. Do I have a witness today that sometimes we endure hardships? Sometimes we lose family members and don't understand why they have to go through that. Sometimes we face divorce and don't understand why we have to traverse that territory. Sometimes we face sickness and don't understand why God, why this happened. We don't see it, but yet because God has given us a revelation, we're able to have a firm response to God. Because faith is how I respond to the revelation God has given me. It's not just believing in the impossible. It's not just believing in what you can't see. It's actually knowing God for yourself. I'm not talking about just a Sunday revelation. Not just a revelation where you only seek God on Sundays, where you only find God on Sundays, where you only pick up a Bible to go to church and your Bible still looks brand new. I'm talking about a real revelation of God, a real understanding of God, where God has revealed himself to you, where you have encountered a true and living God. And because of this encounter, you cannot be dissuaded from your path of righteousness because God is with you. For me, I've had a revelation of Jesus Christ. I've had an encounter with the living God. So I put away the the works of sin in order to walk the path of righteousness. I put away the works of the enemy in order to walk in righteousness. At a young age, I put away drinking and drunkenness to be able to walk in righteousness. 
I put away smoking weed to be able to walk in righteousness. I put away sleeping around and doing things that don't honor God because I had a revelation of who God was and I responded to him in faith that I would follow and believe in him. Are you with me? Have you had a revelation that makes you give a response to God? If you still struggle with all the same sins when you first walked in here, your revelation is weak. A real revelation of God makes you want to pursue and respond to that God you serve. It's the power to break through sin in your life. And David had a revelation of who God was and no trial or sickness or hurt would dissuade him from God's will. My first point today to you is the deeper my revelation of God, the deeper my faith in God. The greater the revelation I have of who God is to me in my life, the more I can respond to him in my faith. Because I believe in the Lord, because I know who he said he is is true, because I know it, I don't dissuade myself from the path of righteousness. It doesn't matter what the enemy throws at me. Nothing pushes me from God. Because I am convinced of his goodness and his plan for my life. Are you with me? It's simple. The more I know of God, the more I believe in God. The more I read God's word, the more I understand his character, his love, his mercy, and I'm able to take better steps toward the Lord because he has done more for me than I could possibly imagine. And I learn it by soaking up the scripture and praying to God and seeking God and following the path that he's called me on. And when I do that, hardship comes, but I stay faithful to God. Hardship comes, but God is still in control. Because my revelation causes me to respond to him in a way that is deepened in my faith. Are you with me today? The deeper my revelation, the deeper my faith. My faith is my response to trust God after he has revealed himself to me. My, My faith is because I've seen God do it throughout the scripture in my father's life, in my family's life. And he'll do it for me and he'll do it for our church. After we receive this revelation, we have to choose to believe God with the faith that he has given us to be able to walk with. So we got this revelation of Jesus. And so we study the word to know more about Jesus. And we pray to seek after Jesus because we need to know more about Jesus. So when temptation comes, that we can call on the name of Jesus. When, when, when the enemy comes and throws darts at you and throws troubles and trials and tribulations, you can call on the name of the Lord because you have an understanding and a revelation of God. There's times... Where you have to call somebody to help you out, yes. But if every time you go through something, you got to call somebody, it's because your revelation needs to be deepened. You have to encounter God. I've encountered God at a young age. <coughs> Baptized in the spirit at about 9 or 10 years old. 
I experienced God in powerful ways when I was 15 and 17. At the altar, I would pray and God would literally reveal himself to me. Walking down the street, God would speak to me. I thought I was crazy, but I was hearing God and God revealed himself to me. And so my faith grew as God reveals himself to me. I gained a deeper revelation and a deeper faith. It's that same type of faith that made Abraham leave everything he knew to follow God. The same faith that helped Moses stand before the most powerful man in the world and demand that God's people be free. The same faith that drove Elijah to be in the top of a Mount Carmel with 400 enemy prophets and be able to stand for God. It's the same type, what I call, it's Boat rocking faith. Where, where, where Peter, he was called out by Jesus to walk on water, and Peter had to get out the boat. Have you ever been canoeing? You ever been kayaking? I think both are really dumb, to be honest. Because <coughs> by the time I kayak my way out, I'm too tired to come back in. And so I won't go by myself, I go with somebody else. But when they try and get in the boat, they begin to rock the boat. And you're like, don't, don't make me fall because you don't know how to get in this boat. And you're like holding on for dear life back and forth. You know what I'm talking about? Could you imagine Peter getting out the boat, rocking the boat while the other disciples are sitting there? But his faith was a boat rocking type of faith that he believed that he could walk on the water if Jesus said he could. He can get through any situation because he had a revelation of Jesus. You see, when Christ asked the disciples who they thought he was, they said, well, some people say you're the prophet Elijah. And some people say you're this. And some people say that. But Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, I say you are the son of the living God, the Messiah. And he says, blessed are you, Peter, because man has not given you this revelation. It has come from up above. And then what did he say? On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. (coughs) He was not talking about the gates of hell won't prevail against Peter. He was not saying over that one thing. He was saying the gates of hell won't prevail when you have a revelation of who the Son of God is. We've seen many churches fail. We've seen many efforts go awry. But when you have a revelation of who God is in your life, you can't be defeated because your response to the revelation has to be faith. Because God is with you. And the deeper the revelation you have, the greater faith you will have. You need faith that will lead you to the altar of prayer and intercession when times get rough. You need prayer that you need rather faith that will lead you to study God's word to become accustomed to know the God that you're serving. Faith that will make you want to begin to grow in the community of believers to be able to live saved and not just called. Or rather called and not just saved. To be able to know that God, God is with me and I, I got a purpose in me. Because God's revealed himself to me. God's revealed himself to me. Faith that causes demons to flee. Strongholds to come down. Chains to be unlocked. That kind of faith. But the deeper your revelation in God. The deeper your faith in God. Because after all, faith is your response to God's revelation. Revelation of what? The revelation of Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. How do we respond to that Jesus? 
And David was enduring what seemed like yet another trial. David was enduring what seemed like yet another hardship. His men had marched 75 miles in three days. Instead of coming back to what they thought would be the comforts of home and their wives, they came instead to a burnt out town, their families missing. Verse 4 describes the scene where it says, David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. Their pain was so deep they cried until they had no more tears to cry, no more strength to, to, to be able to cry, not even one more tear. This is deep anguish. This is probably the loneliest point in David's life. And, and the Bible says they thought about stoning David. They thought about getting rid of David. They wanted to vent their anger so much they looked at David and said, it's your fault. Sometimes we have these moments too. Have you ever had one of those moments where you had no more strength to be in anguish? Had no more strength to go through anything harder? Every trial had come against you. Every wave had crashed over you. But David was not like the rest of his men. And before I point out what David did, it might be just as important to point out what he did not do. David did not begin to bicker against God. Why? Because he had a deep revelation of God. David did not go to his Facebook and indirect towards anybody else. He didn't do that. David did not find six people who agree with his negative spirit and, and sit there and gossip about the situation to them. David didn't do that. David didn't go and run from God because things got rough. David didn't take a break from God. Because real Christians don't do that. We walk in the revelation of who God is. David did not, did not sit and cry and moan. He did not question God's faithfulness, for he knew God was faithful. He didn't turn his back on God because hardship was upon him. No, the Bible says he got into a corner and he encouraged himself. He got into a corner and said, no, he made me a promise. My God is with me. I may face hardship, but my revelation of God tells me that he is with me. I may face a trial and a tribulation. I may be facing this circumstance right here. But I know that he's not brought me this far to abandon me now. <clears throat> David knew. You see, oftentimes when we endure hardship, we feel as if it's because God's mad at us. We feel as if maybe we're going through something because we did something wrong. You ever had something go wrong and you take a moment to look back and see, what did I do to deserve this? Facing hardship and trial and tribulation. Here's point number two. God tests our faith to prove he was right to bless our faith. God tests our faith to prove he was right to bless our faith. Remember, it is God who gave you your faith. Romans 12.3. God gave you your faith. And God allows the testing of our faith to sanctify the believer. The same thing happened with Abraham. We read it in James chapter 1 verse 2 where he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whoever, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You have to understand this. God uses trials to test and grow the quality of the faith of the believer to prove his justification of us was an accurate appraisal. And understand this. God in his mercy saves us. He then uses trials to ensure he made the right decision. He proves to himself 
that he was justified in justifying us. God says, I saved that person, and now I'm going to prove that they were worth saving because they're going to remain faithful in trial and tribulation. And he begins to prepare you for what you're going to face. He grows you through what you're going to go through. God prepares you every step of the way. And when Satan comes to accuse you and comes to lie on you, God can look at him and say, but look how they have endured through every test you threw at them. Look at how they have endured through every trial you tried to put on them. Look how everything you threw at them only made them come closer to me. (coughs) He uses the test and the trials of the enemy to justify his justification of you. See why I saved them? Because he's faithful. You see why I blessed him? Because he's loyal. You see why I touched his life? Because even when you touch his life, he still gives me praise. Trials aren't because God has left us or abandoned us. They're because God is strengthening us and challenging us. Allowing us to see that he is our sustenance. Storms may come, but they won't wash you away. Because he is God. He is God and he is faithful. As you study God's word, as you seek his truth, as you come to know him in prayer, as his spirit reveals more and more of himself to you, you will realize the trials are for your good. You will realize that your revelation of him is growing and your response to him in faith won't be wavered. You can't be moved because God is with you. Like a soldier who endures basic training with the drill sergeant. And the drill sergeant might yell, might scream, might shout. I know some of you military people say, might. <laughs> he definitely shouts, he definitely screams, he definitely yells. They wake him up at all out hours of the night, make him stay up for days on end, make him do all types of things. But the hope and prayer of the drill sergeant is that when that soldier hits the battlefield, they'll be prepared to face anything that comes their way. And you have to understand the things God allows you to go through today is he's preparing you for tomorrow's fight. God's just preparing you to face things tomorrow. The testing of your faith is to prove that God was right to bless your faith. It's not because God hates you. It's not because your life is terrible. It's because God is with you. God loves you. And God wants to strengthen you because he knows tomorrow there's a bigger fight coming your way. He knows tomorrow there's a bigger thing. But what you endure today is preparation for tomorrow's fight. Today's faith must be refined for tomorrow's battles. David doesn't turn from God, he turns to God. You see, faith always turns to God, not from God. Faith always drives me back to the heart of the Father. Faith always drives me to God's heart. Verse 6, and David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter and so each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David took it upon himself to continue to have faith in God. David strengthened himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself. How can you encourage yourself in the midst of trial? Because David had a firm grip on his revelation of God. David had a firm grip on the revelation that God had given him of himself. David would not be held down by doubt or trial. Come on, church. 
David would not be held down by bitterness. David would not be held down by his current circumstance. He knew that he was deep in love with God. And this God that he was deep in love with would help him even in this situation. And so David, verse 7, he inquires of the Lord. And David said to Abiathar, the priest, son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him, Pursue, for you will surely overtake, and you will surely rescue. Did you notice that David wouldn't make a move without consulting God? David wouldn't make a move. I'm amazed at how many things Christians do without trusting God. I'm amazed how many things Christians do without asking God. And then when it all blows up in our face, this is a test. But that was a dumb move. There's a difference between test and stupidity. David, you would think it makes perfect sense. I'm going to go after my wife. He said, Lord, should I go after her? You got two more for me. (laughs) No. All the wives are like, This isn't funny. All the men are like, praise the Lord. I caught that vision, praise God. Some of the men like two wives. I can't even handle the one, praise God. Pastor Mel, amen. (laughs) David consults God. Why? Because David, understand me now, David wanted another revelation of God. David wanted to know what else God had to say. Because some of you get one word and just run. David said, what else do you got for me, God? And God says, pursue. So David goes, I'll react in faith. I'll respond. He says, pursue, and then you will overtake. And David goes, I'll overtake. And then he says, and you will rescue them. I'll rescue them. And so David has more, somebody say, revelation. And he's able to respond more. Because God is revealing more to him. God didn't promise him a victory. He told him, if you go and you act in faith, if you do it, if you go, you're going to overtake them. But the choice is yours. Are you going to respond in faith to go or are you going to stay put? Because some of us want to receive a promise from God and then have God do everything for us. And God says, no, that's not just not how it works. You, you have to, I'll give you the promise, you have to do the work. God says, I'm going to bless you. And you just sit there waiting for it. No, you got to go do something that God could bless. See, here's point number three. God will give you faith for the fight as you fight for the faith. God will give you faith for what you're doing as you do what he said to do. If you do what God told you to do, He'll keep on adding to your faith daily. If you keep on stepping in faith, God will keep on adding to the measure of your faith. <clears throat> David and all his men had to take another step of faith and go out and pursue this enemy. Engage in a battle. Some would face death. But did they have the faith to go? But they knew one thing. That God would give them faith for the fight as they fought for this faith. Likewise, church, many of you, when you face trials or temptations, when you face sickness or hard times, you will have to choose to fight for this faith. We've come into a place in the church history where the church no longer knows how to fight for their faith. 
We take any old whooping from the enemy. We let society tell us what the church is supposed to be doing. We let, we let MTV tell us how the church is supposed to believe. This Bible hasn't changed in 2,000 years, and it won't. Are you going to fight for this faith that we have? Are you going to fight for this revelation of Jesus that we have? Or are you going to sit by the wayside and let the enemy all over your life? David had a deep revelation of God. And David had a deep relationship with God. And oftentimes, the depth of your relationship determines the depth of your revelation with God. You see, my sister-in-law was telling me that she was having a conversation with my little niece, Savannah. And they were talking about me being at the church. She said, is Theo at the church? Yeah, Theo's at church. Aria's daddy? Yeah, Aria's daddy. Uncle? Yeah, uncle. Pastor? Yes, him. And Lori said that she realized Savannah didn't know my name. Now, in contrast, Aria calls me Louis, Lipe, Pastor, and Daddy because she has a different relationship with me. And because of her deeper relationship, she got a deeper revelation of me. <clears throat> you see, David first knew God as the God who helped him fight a lion and a bear on the shepherd's field. And then he went to be the God who helped him fight a giant on the battlefield. He'll be the same God who got him through the trouble at Ziklag and the same God who would take him to the throne of Israel. The deeper your revelation, the deeper your relationship. And the more you know this God, the more he'll reveal himself to you. I love that the, that the name Ziklag, the place where this happened at, is called, the definition of it by Hebraic dictionaries is, is the measure pressed down. Romans 12, 3, God's given you a measure of faith. It was like the measure of his faith is being pressed down. It was being tested and challenged and twisted. It was being hurt. And would he respond in faith in the midst of a trial or would he simply fold? But he understood that God told him to pursue the enemy. And if he would fight for this faith, God would give him faith for the fight. And you got to understand that whatever you face in your life, you, you can't expect God just to win a victory if you don't fight a battle. Sometimes you got to lift the sword if you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you got to speak those things that are not as though they were. Sometimes you got to talk the faith talk. Sometimes you got to pray when you don't feel like praying. Sometimes you got to seek him when you don't feel like seeking him. Sometimes you got to go out and do that thing when you don't know if it's going to work. But because God said it'll work, you're going to do it in faith. Sometimes you got to start that business God told you to start in order for you to live the blessed life he promised you. You can't just expect the blessed life to find you. Sometimes you got to give the way you want to live. You didn't get that one. Don't worry about it. Catch it on the podcast. Sometimes you got to understand that God wants you to fight the fight. And as you fight the fight, he'll give you faith for it. 
if you don't have a revelation of who God is, you won't have the faith to fight that fight. Because you won't understand who he is to you. And just like my niece didn't know my name because she doesn't have that same relationship that Aria has. She'll wake me up off the bed. Lipe, get up. I'm like, no, I don't want to get up. She has a close relationship. And when you have a close relationship with God, I'm not talking about this Sunday stuff, church. I'm talking a part where you're a part of the community of believers, where you're attached to people. Where you're a part of this group, where you're a part of the, of the body of Christ. Some of you just want to be a wisdom tooth in the body, just useless. We, we pull those out. Or if they do grow in, they overcrowd the place and cause a lot of pain and abscesses in the mouth. Oh, that's too offensive for some of y'all. It's okay. <coughs> you have to understand this. You have to become a part of the body, part of the fellowship. God wants you to be a part of this thing. Why? Because he knows that as you grow in your walk and revelation of him and your relationship, your faith in him will grow. And David and his men, they had a revelation that God said, if I go do it, I'll pursue them, I'll overtake them, and I'll rescue them. And so because on the word of God, they went on the word of God. Because faith cometh by hearing the word of God. And they understood that God said they would win. <clears throat> they understood that. This is my whole life story. I'm pursuing what God showed me in revelation. I'm pursuing and I'm responding to God's revelation. I'm still believing for a redeemed Bridgeport. I'm, I'm believing God for a redeemed Stratford and Fairfield. I'm believing God for souls. I'm believing God for so many things. I'm still believing God because he's revealed it to me. So as I fight for the faith, he'll give me faith for my fight. And every step of the way, he'll add to my faith. And every step of the way, he'll give me something new. You have to understand. Keep fighting for your marriages. Keep fighting for your communities. and Keep fighting for your physical healing. Keep fighting for your strength. Keep fighting for your faith. Keep fighting for Christianity's sake. Keep fighting for souls that need salvation. Keep fighting for restoration in your life. Keep fighting for what the enemy stole from you. Keep fighting for your cousins to come to Christ. Keep fighting for your family to know him. Keep fighting for your salvation and your freedom. Keep fighting for what he has promised you. He will give it to you. He will do it. If you fight for the faith, he'll give you faith for the fight. If you stand for him and believe in him and you trust in him he will do what he said he will do because he's not a god that fails he'll never let you down as you fight for the faith he'll give you faith for your fight god promised him if you go you will overtake tell somebody next to you if you go you will overtake. Tell the other person next to you, if you go, you're going to rescue them. Come on, if you go, God will restore it. If you go, God will heal it. If you work, God will bless it. Uh-huh. If you live for 
for him, he will live for you. If you give to him, he'll give to you. He'll give me faith for the fight as I fight for the faith. Doesn't matter. Whatever I face, he'll give me the faith for it. He'll give me the strength to get through it. Because God knows. And David would go on. He would rescue his family. He would rescue everybody. He would get it all back. Why? Because he had a revelation of God. He responded to it in faith. And God was with him. Come on, God's with you. Some of you, I'm telling you right now, you need to deepen your faith in God by deepening your revelation of God. It's a perfect plug. You need to be in a small group to deepen your fellowship with the believers. You need to know God. You need to know your brother. You need to be carried by people when you're weak. You need to be supported by others when you can't make it by yourself. It's not a matter of if you need them, it's when you need them. But if you fight for them, he's going to give you faith for the fight. If you seek him in his word, if you seek him in prayer, if you do his will, if you pursue him the way he's called you to, come on, he will bless your path. Because he's the God who will never, ever let you down. And every time, he'll give you a new measure of faith. I'm telling you. He gave Isaac to Abraham, and Abraham then knew God would fulfill the rest. Moses saw the first plague come to Egypt. He knew God would send the rest. Joshua saw the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. He knew God would give him the other kingdoms. You have to first step into the fight. You're like a soldier in training. You might be going through some hardships. Might be spending some sleepless nights. Might be having some some tough training going on. But God's preparing you for tomorrow's fight. God's preparing you for what you're going to face tomorrow. If you think it's hard while you're single, imagine how you're going to face it when you're married. If you think it's hard when you're married, find out how hard it'll be when you're a widow. you got to face today's fight to be able to win tomorrow. God's stretching you. God's trying to build your faith. He's trying to deepen your revelation. God is trying to move in your life. He wants you to have real, strong, mountain-moving, devil-casting-out type of faith. Faith that'll move the city to God. Faith that'll bring your family to God. Faith that'll break the curse over your life. Real, mountain-moving faith. Come on, he will give you faith for the fight. As you fight for the faith. I wish you would declare it now. I feel like God already told me. I feel like God already told me that Aria is going to worship in front of thousands. I already know that God told me that Mila is going to be a preacher. But now it's my job to train them and to teach them and to give them faith for that fight. Because if I don't prepare them, they won't make it through. 
and say, I got to fight to protect them. I got to fight to lead my family in Christ. I got to fight to keep them together. I got to fight to keep them on the path of righteousness. And as I fight for that faith, he'll give them faith for the fight. Whatever you're facing, whatever you've got in your life, he'll give you the faith if you choose to fight. See, faith, faith isn't for the people who don't want to move. It's for those who want to do great things for God. Great faith. You do great things for God. Come on, stand with me this early afternoon. Trust in and believe in God for great and mighty things. I know he's with me. I know he's working in me. I know he's already restoring. I know he's already moving in my life. God that I serve. We've got to deepen our revelation of God. Maybe you're saying, I've, I've never had that revelation of God. Challenge yourself. Get in your Bible. Begin to seek God and pray. Because I can pray with you now, but I can't give you a revelation of God. you got to say, Holy Spirit, work in me. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Holy Spirit, have your way in my heart. Have your way in my life. And as you open your, your life to God, he will reveal himself to you. He'll reveal himself to you as, as your strength, as your comforter, as your counselor, as your ever-present help in times of trouble. You'll begin to know your God. Know him as your healer when you're sick. Know him as your champion when you have to fight odds that are against you. Come on, the deeper my revelation, the deeper my faith in God. God, he tests us because he wants to prove he was right to bless our faith. And lastly, he'll give you faith for the fight. But it's only as you fight for the faith. He'll give it to you. Come on, lift your hands across this place. Father, we declare it even now. You're a good God. We know you're a good God. We're trusting and believing you today. Come on, Father, some of us, our faith might be weak today. Our faith might be lacking today. We might be missing some things in our heart, God. Oh, but Father, 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 we need you right now. We need you to move in our hearts. We need you to to, to, to move in our life. God, some of us need a deeper revelation, God. We want you to reveal yourself to us, God, that we might respond to you in great faith. Come on, today we know that you're good. We know that you're a great God. We want to stand in true faith today, believing and trusting in you. That as we fight for the faith, come on, you'll give us faith for the fight. Somebody begin to praise us.